0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Thinking Curious, where we unpack abstract ideas that are wrapped up in stories to discover truths that can help us live well and encourage us in our pursuit of purpose. I'm Jessica, your host. Recently, I bought a cup of coffee at Toasted and Roasted, a coffee shop in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, owned and operated by a husband and wife team, Mike and Allie. They roast their own coffee and apply precise attention to brewing each cup they sell. Watching them prepare a cup of coffee is like watching skilled scientists adding just the right amount of each ingredient at the right time, at the right temperature, in order to produce a carefully crafted cup of coffee. And it's delicious. While I was there, I met another customer Isabella, our conversation covered a lot of ground, from education to communication and literature, as we waited for our coffees. We touched on ideas related to thinking critically, virtues, and human dignity. Our coffee shop conversation motivated my thinking about virtues, specifically about the differences between virtues and values. That got me thinking about the stories we've covered so far on the podcast— Throughout the last seven podcasts, we've looked at short stories and fairy tales, identifying the truths they illustrate through their themes and principles. So what about values and virtues? Something is defined as a value because of the importance or worth a person assigns to it. Values can change throughout a lifetime because human conditions, opportunities, finances, and goals can change over time. Values relate to the beliefs a person holds about what is most important to their life. A virtue, however, describes a good moral quality of a person, a good human characteristic that can be cultivated. A virtue is recognized as good because it enriches and sustains humanity while a value can be fluid, assigned as having personal worth by an individual. Virtues can be included on values charts and lists because a person can value a virtue. But a virtue and a value are not interchangeable. We need to think of them as separate. Virtues are very much foundational to the development of human character. Once predominantly valued, why has the importance of virtues diminished after philosophers and thinkers worked for centuries to identify the human characteristics that support the well-being of individuals, families, communities, and cultures. The expectation of people putting effort into cultivating virtuous character, which had once been common sense, has changed. My thoughts were affirmed recently as I researched virtues. I found a book called Virtue and Psychology, Pursuing Excellence in Ordinary Practices by B.J. Fowers. Here is the definition of virtue taken from the book. What is virtue? Is virtue its own reward? Is it a kind of self-denial, moral superiority, self-righteousness, or self-absorption? Does it underwrite a judgmental attitude, a rule-bound mentality, or a refusal to enjoy life? The short answer to these questions is a simple no. In a word, a virtue is the form of excellence that allows an individual to pursue worthwhile ends in everyday activities. A description of the book explains and expands the author's view and goal. The book issues a clarion call for psychologists and other mental health professionals to recognize the reality of virtue in social interaction. Virtues are character strengths, such as generosity, loyalty, and honesty that make it possible for people to pursue worthwhile goals. The author explores the current terrain of psychology, a field that actively avoids discussion of virtue while it implicitly endorses values, such as independence and mastery. Some of these implied values derive from and feed into the individualism and instrumentalism of modern cultures, often to the detriment of individual and communal well-being. Fowers examines the cognitive, affective, behavioral, and social components of virtue. Reading the quote in the book description confirmed my thoughts that the understanding of virtue has suffered loss culturally. Fowers seems to be acknowledging the age-old idea of the necessity of virtues for the well-being of humanity. Virtues are characteristics developed by continued practice, but we need to be aware of them and put our shoulder to the wheel practicing them to develop them until they are second nature to us. The website Virtues for Life explains it this way. Virtues are universal and recognized by all cultures as basic qualities of well-being. When we practice virtues and build our character muscle, we attract what may have been missing in our life, such as fulfilling relationships and achievement of meaningful goals. So often we know that it takes perseverance to reach our goals, and we still never get there. We know if we forgive, we'll be less angry and resentful. We know it takes courage to accomplish great things. So why then, if we know what to do, are we still stuck? Because we have not yet consciously and boldly applied a virtue to a given situation so as to alter its outcome. Reflecting on the meaning and importance of virtues, I look back at our short stories again to see if they offer examples of virtuous behavior or the lack thereof. Since virtues have to do with character traits, I focused on the characters, and for guidance I turned to The Book of Virtues by William Bennett. Following are the virtues that I found. The Virtue of Compassion in The Gift of the Magi by O. Henry Compassion is not feeling sorry for someone. As the Book of Virtue explains, it is a virtue that takes seriously the reality of other persons, their inner lives, their emotions, as well as their external circumstances. Understanding this idea is the turning point of our compassionate conduct toward every person. Compassion is a virtue that sustains humanity. It is no respecter of persons It demonstrates the equal value of each man, woman, and child. The demonstration of compassion most often requires that we put aside our own interests to respond to the need of another person. It has been said that putting another's need ahead of our own is a demonstration of love. We saw this love, this compassion, in The Gift of the Magi by O. Henry in Episode 1 of this podcast— William Sidney Porter, better known as O. Henry, shows us that love and compassion is expressed in selfless ways. In so doing, we demonstrate the other person's value. The virtue of courage in The Emperor's New Clothes by Hans Christian Andersen. The action of the little boy who dared to speak the truth about the Emperor's New Clothes in Episode 2 demonstrated courage. During the podcast, we thought about what makes people choose to go along with a lie. While we identified causes for willful blindness, the bottom line is that the people go along with a lie because they lack courage. Courageous actions are contagious. After the little boy reasoned through the facts his senses alerted him to and added those facts to his life experience, he uncovered the bald-faced lie declaring, but the emperor has nothing on it all. One small voice rippled over the crowd of onlookers and shattered into pieces the lie that held them captive to fear. Once the boy courageously voiced the truth, the falsehood so carefully woven unraveled and the crowd around him joined in declaring the truth. The Virtue of Honesty in the System of Dr. Tar and Professor Feather by Edgar Allan Poe. In the Book of Virtues, William Bennett states that honesty imbues life with openness, reliability, and candor. It expresses a disposition to live in the light. Dishonesty seeks to shade, cover, or conceal. It is a disposition to live partly in the dark. Bennett elaborates on the purpose of honesty and the consequences of dishonesty. Referring to and quoting author Jonathan Swift, Bennett asks, Why would anyone want to be dishonest? That is a question with which the Irish satirist, Jonathan Swift, poignantly confronts his readers in Gulliver's Travels. The Hoynahims were such rational creatures that they found dishonesty almost unintelligible. As one of them explains to Gulliver, The use of speech was to make us understand one another, and to receive information of facts. Now, if anyone said the thing which was not, referring to the curious practice of telling lies, these ends were defeated. According to Swift, the ends or purpose of language is to understand one another and receive information about facts. Bennett continues, "'Dishonesty would have no role to play in a world that revered reality and was inhabited by fully rational creatures.'" Human beings are not fully rational, however. Humans harbor tendencies and impulses that do not spontaneously harmonize with reason. This truth about the nature of human beings makes necessary the practice of reasoning objectively to reality in order to guard against deception. In Episode 3, we thought about Edgar Allan Poe's psychological thriller The System of Dr. Tarr and Professor Feather, as an example of gaslighting. The virtue of honesty is witnessed here by its absence and the consequences of its opposite dishonesty experienced by the young man in the story. The young man visiting the hospital for the insane asked questions about the reality of things he witnessed happening there. His observations were abruptly dismissed and mocked. He eventually deferred to the man in charge, why should he believe that the expert would lie to him? So he swallowed the dishonest morsels the expert continually fed him, and he was gaslighted. Succumbing to gaslighting, he failed to rely on the information and facts his senses were supplying to his reason. He failed to rationally come to the truth, and he was swept up by the maddening crowd at the hospital for the insane. The Virtue of Self-Discipline In Goldilocks and the Three Bears, Part 1 Episode 4 was our first look at Goldilocks and the Three Bears. In this story, Goldilocks may be seen as a need of self-discipline. Not once did she consider that she was trespassing, destroying, and stealing from others. She was motivated to serve herself, even though it destroyed others. Her appetite and impulses drove her. Self-discipline is the practice of controlling our actions, of doing no harm to self or others. Being self-disciplined is much like being self-governed. If we surrender the practice of being self-governed or mastering ourselves, by default we come under the rule of someone or something else. We answer to another. Failing to be self-disciplined often brings regret. Bennett describes this. There is much unhappiness and personal distress in the world because of failures to control tempers, appetites, passions, and impulses. Oh, if I had only stopped myself, is an all-too-familiar refrain. Rare, indeed, is the person who doesn't desire more self-discipline, and with it, the control that it gives one over the course of one's life and development. Goldilocks exhibited a lack of self discipline, and her ending in the story does not sound like a good one. In the story I used for the podcast, all that was known of her ending, which I did not disclose at the time, was that she jumped from an open window to the ground. It was speculated that she might have broken some bones, perhaps died, but the bottom line is it wasn't a happy ending for Goldilocks, and the bears never saw her again. The Virtue of Responsibility in Goldilocks and the Three Bears, Part 2. The Book of Virtues explains responsibility really well. To respond is to answer. Correspondingly, to be responsible is to be answerable, to be accountable. Irresponsible behavior is immature behavior. Taking responsibility, being responsible, is a sign of maturity persons who have not yet reached maturity have not yet come into their powers. When we strive to help our children become responsible persons, we are helping them toward maturity. Mature people who have taken charge of themselves and their conduct, who own their actions and own up to them, who answer for them. In Goldilocks Part 2, Episode 5, we thought about the roles nurture and nature have in the development of a child. Parents are responsible for the nurture of their children's physical needs as well as nurture of their child's nature. Goldilocks was described repeatedly as a not-so-well-brought-up little girl. This sounds like code for she lacked nurturing attention and instruction. Parents who practice the habit of taking charge of themselves, owning up to their actions, and answering for them, provide an example for the children who look to their parents as models, not of perfection, but of responsible, mature living. The Virtue of Work in The Little Red Hen by Mary Mapes Dodge It has long been my belief that the question asked of children and young people about their future, what do you want to be when you grow up, should be coupled with, and what kind of person will you be? Both doing and being take work. Bennett describes work as applied effort. It is whatever we put ourselves into, whatever we expend our energy on for the sake of accomplishing or achieving something. Work in this fundamental sense is not what we do for a living, but what we do with our living. The Little Red Hen's character demonstrates the virtue of work. She valued the bread as food, put all she had into growing the wheat to bake the bread. She applied her energy and her time and her effort to learn what she needed to do and how to do what was necessary to grow the wheat and bake the bread. The Virtue of Perseverance in The Ugly Duckling by Hans Christian Andersen Episode 7 proposed that the ugly duckling is a hero's journey that resulted in overcoming a negative self concept while illustrating elements of resilience. We followed those elements, or strands, the hero's journey, self concept, and resilience, and observed they worked in an interactive manner. As the ugly duckling continually moved onward to survive, each element worked to bring the swan through to his purpose with insightful understanding of his trials, to a place where he had peace with himself. Perseverance and resilience are not identical, but like the three strands in the analysis of the ugly duckling, they work together synergistically. The article, Resilience from a Virtue Perspective, defines resilience as a positive byproduct of having endured adversities while transforming them into insightful opportunities for renewal Positivepsychology.com defines perseverance as our ability to pursue a goal or passion over time and stick with it if we encounter obstacles or setbacks. While resilience requires skills to bounce forward to a goal. Perseverance is the action of sticking to the goal. It is difficult to exercise resilience without perseverance and it's difficult to persevere without resilience. As we persevere forward toward a goal We develop the skills that support our ability to be resilient and we, like the ugly duckling, triumph, reaching a place where we can be at peace with ourselves. Virtues are characteristics we work to develop. Developing them is a choice, a practice, but we need to see them at work through enriching stories and in our families and communities to recognize them and model them. What are virtuous people like? This is the answer VirtuesForLife.com offers. They do the right thing and don't bend to impulses, urges, or desires, but act according to values and principles. Some might say good qualities are innate, but we're not perfect. Virtues need to be cultivated to become more prevalent in life. With the habit of being virtuous, we take the helm of our own life, redirecting its course towards greater happiness and fulfillment. Those observations sound a lot like a summary of this review of our stories. Who knew short stories and fairy tales could hold so much of what is good for living well? I've been enriched analyzing them and I hope you have too as you thought about them with me. Thanks to all the story lovers, thinkers, and curious who join me today. Tap the subscribe or follow button to catch our next episode. Join by clicking the Thinking Curious Review link below to receive the review in your inbox, updates, and support our work. Each review offers additional content and analysis of the ideas that inspire the podcast.